0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Swarm. Welcome back, everyone. Y'all, we had a wild recording on the previous episode. We had the privilege to interview the Instagram account, or the players behind the Instagram account, Tower Fantasy. And we had kind of a crazy reaction.
1: We did. If you did not listen to it, do yourself a favor and listen to it. It is a bit odd, but it's extremely, like, uh, amusing. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, and we definitely had a lot of listeners... Um, and we can kind of see the behind-the-scenes stats on who is listening and how many listeners are tuning in at one time, et yeah. cetera. Yeah, so just so you all know,
1: we, um, <clears throat> we, we provide our podcast through Podbean. That's our hosting site. And so uh, with that, they give us all the analytics. So we can see who's tuning in, how often you're tuning in, and if our episode's terrible, because you'll leave it within seconds or stay with us the whole time, and we've actually been fortunate to have, like, a really good response.
0: Yeah, we have over, like, 1,200 followers right 13, now. 13. 13 yeah, 12, like, yeah, exactly. Um, but the Tower Fantasy episode, there's a little graph that shows, you know, average listeners. It actually made the shape of a, of to- a tower. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's pretty gnarly. Um We'll take a we'll take a pick of that and, and and post it on our uh, on our stories so y'all can see it. But uh, it is the highest performing episode actually that we've ever had, so we're pumped about that. And the other interesting thing is that we get analytics on the countries and the states that people are listening from. So right now we got the map up and we're looking at it. Majority ninety eight percent are from the U S, but we have listeners from the U K. Um, Scroll down, Jamie. Spain, Germany, Colombia, <laughs> Mexico, Panama. I think Panama. maybe I think maybe they thought we were like part of the World Cup team or something. They thought we were soccer. And That's what? fine.
0: I'll take that confusion. They're like, oh
1: wait, there's a soccer podcast. Let's let's hit it up.
0: Yeah, we have we have one download from
1: Panama, Latvia,
0: Latvia, Colombia. Is it Latvia? I think it's Latvia. Awesome. Hey, hey, listener out there from Latvia. <laughs>
1: thank you. <laughs> thank you
0: for tuning in. I'm sorry you accidentally stumbled across this. <laughs> yeah, us. no
1: kidding. And so then for the states, we got some sweet stats. Uh, of course, majority, actually only 50% of our listeners are from Louisiana.
0: And then we got Texas, California, Florida, Mississippi, Colorado, and uh, New York. There's other. There's Is what? 230 other? other. I'm not really sure what that means. Is that th- Puerto Rico?
1: What's the name of your state? Panama, <laughs> we
0: need to we need to like make a song for our listeners. Jamaica, yeah. So uh, we're very thankful uh, f- to all of our followers and listeners. It's really cool to see that people are actually we're pumped tuning in.
1: Um, well, I wanted to talk about some other stats, cool stuff on Tower Fantasy. We we did a 3D print of the tower and did a giveaway and it went viral. James, you, you're the 3D print 3D print guru. If you want to talk a little the bit about 3D.
0: Print pimp guru <laughs> James is
1: the 3D print pimp guru.
0: Yes, so we made a well, actually Paulo, one of the other co-founders of Cicada, Cicada um, created a 3D model of the tower very rapidly, did it in about an hour, which Don't, is amazing. You're
1: not supposed to disclose. Oh, no, I'm just kidding.
0: Oops, uh, he's really good at modeling. He's really good at modeling, and he looks like a model. So
1: we're we're actually just chilling one day, and Paulo's like, "Hey guys, how many?" How many windows are in the Plaza Tower? Or Tower Plaza, Plaza Tower. Man, I always get that confused. And we're like fifty? I don't know. So we're literally 50. on we're <laughs> on like Google Maps chasing down how many windows is is in this, this model for Paulo to literally model.
0: He modeled it, we 3D printed it, we made a few of them and gave one of them away to uh, it was kind of a
1: architecture student yeah, and architecture student. Yeah.
0: Which is really cool, and actually, the owner reached out to us. The owner of the building reached out, (laughs) and they were like, "Hey, we want one." Yeah, so we actually,
1: so we did. We 3D printed a building for uh, for Joe Joe Yeager, and we immediately got a response back saying we need more because other people at MCC Group were not very happy. Like,
0: someone got a little jelly. People
1: were fighting over the one 3D print.
0: That's the great thing about 3D printers; you can just make multiples of things. But
1: but uh, with that being said, we're gonna we're gonna print we're gonna make it kind of a standard thing. We're gonna start printing other buildings in the town, and like celebrate architecture
0: and. Yes, we are um, in a collaboration with a few other architects and designers and structural engineers around town, recreating the three D model of the Rivergate. Um, convention center, which is a beautiful, gorgeous structure. Um, I guess it wasn't meeting. I don't actually know the story about why it was demolished. I'm sure Harris Casino came in and said, I'll give you a bunch of money for it.
1: Look, I'm not going to lie. I don't think it's very attractive at all. I don't think it's a beautiful building.
0: What? Good riddance. Oh, gosh. I'm not a big fan. Seamus.
1: Look, I don't have to like it.
0: You do have to like it. <laughs> we are involved
1: in it. We are involved, but it doesn't mean I think the, bu- the building was beautiful. I mean, there's a lot of like really iconic buildings that just don't really look that
0: great. Okay, well, that's the beauty of architecture is it can be very subjective. But we are involved in recreating the 3D model, and we will be printing it and creating like a little scale model for it. Um, they're having an event at the end of July. Um, the Preservation Resource Center is having like a VR interactive um, a night out, so you can... You can go to this event, and you'll be able to see the building um, as if you were walking through it in real time.
1: We've got to give credit. Miles Martin from M3 Studio is putting it on, um, and with a bunch of other players. There's literally like a huge team assembling this thing, so we're pretty pumped to be involved.
0: Yeah, it's actually very interesting on the technological side, too. We're actually all collaborating digitally via the cloud, all working on the same 3D model. So um, this is pretty pretty cool effort to create something... Um, that's part of New Orleans history.
1: We will also be doing a, pod, a small podcast on the Rivergate model. Look out for that episode coming out later yep. in July. So that's that's pretty much about it for the uh for what's going on through with Cicato right now.
0: Yeah, and this episode for ULI is very unique. We actually got to do a live podcast at the Port Orleans Brewing Company.
1: It's a different experience, right?
0: Yeah, a lot of ambient noise, a lot of people chit-chatting um kind of, there's just a buzz around these two dudes in the corner just, like, talking in a mic, but people were kind of coming up to us randomly, and we'd rope them in and bring them into a conversation, so. It kind
1: of actually, for me, it felt like we were doing, like, a live broadcast after, like, a sporting event, and we were, like, talking about the players and stuff like that, and, like, people were walking over, and they're like, what is going on? And clearly, we're not talking about sports at all. We're talking about architecture there, but that was kind of, like, the feeling that I personally got.
0: That's the most intense we will get out of a live broadcast about Talking about architecture. So, Seamus, explain to our listeners, what is ULI?
1: ULI is the Urban Land Institute. It is a nationwide organization where professionals in the um, real estate environment, uh, whether that goes from the financing aspect to the building aspect to the design aspect, all come together and join this group, and they learn about uh, the synergies within the, the community.
0: So it's a really cool and captivating uh, networking opportunity yep. for a lot of these, a lot of big players in the city. Um, yep. So we got the privilege to be there and interview a lot of really cool people.
1: The intent of this particular podcast was this, we were covering their membership drive. So we actually get to talk to uh, the market, the head of the marketing for ULI uh, for the Louisiana chapter as, as well as the um, head of membership uh, for the ULI chapter here in Louisiana and also the president. But uh, long-term, we're going to be doing a building tour podcast series for ULI. Once a month, we will actually go to a building tour and kind of do like a fast five. We'll ask a bunch of questions to either the building owner or architect or whomever is uh, leading that building tour. So we're really excited about that one. This one is a bit different. It's specific to their membership
0: drive. But we did get an opportunity to interview the uh, brewmaster at Port Orleans and... The architect who designed the Port Orleans building.
1: Yes. So if you want to jump ahead because you want to hear about the brewmaster, do that. Or if you want to hear more about the architecture of Port of Orleans, do that. Because they're very,
0: they got a lot of interesting things to say. The uh, The brewery is really neat. So this is our first kind of uh, live episode. You're, you're kind of seeing us shooting, shooting from the hip. And uh, we hope you enjoy it. Everyone out there all around the world... Puerto Rico to Latvia.
1: <laughs> to Latvia. We
0: love you and thank you for tuning into The Swarm. Hi, everyone. I'm James. And I am Seamus.
1: And you are listening to The, the Swarm, Swarm, a podcast about architecture and design.
0: We're two architects at the firm Cicada here in New Orleans. The Swarm is an outlet that brings the world of architecture to the people. Our goal is to educate our listeners about design and construction by interviewing locals who are making an impact on their community.
1: Yeah, this is pretty wild. Um, we got to thank McDaniel Wyatt, who we actually have here today, um, for having us on this ULI event. Uh, McDaniel, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. I work for Humphreys & Partners Architects by day, and uh, by night I am the Communications Director for ULI Louisiana. Today we are having a membership event here at Port Orleans Brewery, and uh, really the goal today is to tell more people about our chapter um, invite more people in the real estate world uh, to come meet us and kind of check us out and what we're all about. So Urban Land Institute, it is a international organization and don't quote me here, but we are the largest network of real estate professionals in the country. So nice. we're, we're quoting you. Good, quoting me. You oh, got me on air here. A good group of people to know <laughs> if you're in the architecture or design
0: development industry.
2: Absolutely. Well, it also expands beyond that as well. Um, not only architecture and design, but also uh, banking, law—you know, every facet of real estate—we uh, have members you know, across the board here on our local chapter.
1: Daniel, tell us a little bit about what what ULI means to you.
2: Yeah. So, for me, being in business development, essentially sales, I need access to developers, and I need to understand the trends and some of the things that that are keeping them up at night. And so, I get to travel a lot around the southeast and I see other ULI chapters, but what really sets us apart here in Louisiana is the the access to the important developers, the important players, they're all at our ULI events. We did a tour of the Jung Hotel a couple weeks ago and I shared an elevator with Joe Yeager. That's, and,
1: a, that's a great great project, great people. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And, and to be able to sit there and, and spitball about the developments he has going on there, um some of the trends that we're seeing in in multifamily and apartment communities across the country and kind of some of the things that they're trying to bring into their developments, uh, you won't be able to get that. You can't pay for that kind of access. Right. So as far as our chapter here, um, you have a lot of key players that are that are doing a lot of really important things and it's it's a very eclectic and engaging group.
1: Well, look, we are happy to announce that we will be doing at least once a month podcast for ULI at these events. Once a month at minimum, sitting down with ULI, potentially McDaniel, and definitely the building owner and or uh, manager and talking about those projects for those particular members who are not able to attend. So we feel like that's a, a big benefit for the membership. We got we to wave Mike down here. You think we can get him in? All right, so we finally got Mike Michael Bucher on the on the mic. Mike, thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Um, please
3: tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your role with ULI. Absolutely. Um, like Seamus said, my name is Mike Bucher. I um, am permanently employed by Urban Properties, um, a small boutique real estate developer and investor here in New Orleans. But in my part time um, in a part time capacity, I'm the membership chair of Uli and also the chairperson of the Emerging Trends um, seminar, which is our annual meeting in every January. That's great. So,
1: so tell us, tell us a little bit, um, our audience who are not members. Yes. What can they expect? Why join? Why join Uli? What's the perks and what what are we what are we getting?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I like to use myself as an example only, well, because I am the membership chair, but I'm also a relative newcomer to New Orleans um, within the past four years. But I'm not a Newcomer to ULI, and I think what's you know what's nice about ULI and membership in ULI is, uh, for me, it was really the continuity of knowing that I could walk into a place of like-minded professionals, network, get exposure to the industry quickly through, you know, whether it's you know architects, engineers, other developers, lawyers, bankers, everybody who's you know tangentially involved with the real estate process. And so, you know, in four years, I can you know, say I walked into a, a bar here, we're at Port Orleans, you probably already said that we have but it's okay (laughs) we enjoy Uh, saying it come on down Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um and you know and 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 i actually i know people people who i work with and do business with it's um it's neat just to you know i think that's just a small part of uli obviously the membership benefits go on and on in terms of your access to local regional and national programming Um, you know, research, uh, and just a network of, you know, thousands of people across the country who, you know, generally there's at least a few who probably do the same thing that you do, if not more.
0: And a lot of other businesses kind of have like these social events for different organizations and whatnot, but this one seems like it brings in quite a variety of different um, specialities, being a developer, real estate investors, or uh, architects, designers, engineers. Um, so it's really interesting to see. It's really cool.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would I would say that probably the one component that I think might, that maybe we're missing, if I can make a promo for, um, you know, membership is, you know, more so on the city and regulatory side, planners, um, you know, zoning officials, even, you know, city council people. I think that there's a lot to gain from understanding kind of a lot of the times what we're doing here, more so than even talking about real projects, is talking about conceptual projects—things we think would be a good idea. It's a, yeah, it's a great point. So,
0: people who aren't familiar with ULI, what are what's something related that they don't know about, like charity?
3: Yeah, I mean, charity is a great example of something that wasn't just a local initiative. I mean, the technical assistance panel—or that may have actually technically been an advisory services panel there's a lot of different panels but in either case you know we that that panel brought in national resources in terms of architects engineers former politicians or elected officials to basically kind of interviews local stakeholders and a lot of them I think they o- interviewed 80 at least 80 people uh, and essentially kind of came up with a series of recommendations about what charity hospital should be or could be and then ultimately that was taken back to the LSU real estate foundation and, gener- and turned into a an RFP which is you know out on the street right now and um, and so that's a real live example of you know something an initiative that started locally that had more of a regional or national impact.
2: Yeah and and we also did one, and forgive me if I get the name wrong—technical assistance panel, or, or whatever we we call it. Um, we did one for Oshner, you know, the region's largest employer. Uh, they had challenged us to help spur ideas of how to bring more of a mixed-use component to their campus. Uh, we worked with a lot of stakeholders there, including uh, Jedco and Jefferson Parish, to so how how to make that region more attractive for millennials. Uh, and and ways to kind of improve that area and make it more of a destination uh, for their business.
1: I'm glad you actually brought that up because when I think of ULI, again, I'm from I'm from New Orleans and I'm coming to the New Orleans events. But ULI is clearly it's definitely national, but you I mean the chapter alone, I mean we reach all of Louisiana. Yeah, so and it's not just New Orleans, it's not just Jefferson Parish. Yeah, it's all of Louisiana.
2: And we're doing uh, just like you know we do a ton of tours here in New Orleans. We have a lot of really cool buildings uh, that people want to see, but we're also doing development tours in Baton Rouge. Some of our you know it's members in Shreveport are pretty big into uh, ULI at a national level. So. Uh, it is mostly focused on New Orleans, but we're getting more and more events and programming in other markets as well.
1: All right, everybody. So we finally roped in Stephen Farnsworth, the ringleader of ULI currently, um, starting his third and final year as district council chair, correct?
4: Correct. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be a part of it. This is cool. Cool Cool venue.
1: So, Stephen, um, we wanted to ask you, what are your accomplishments thus far um, during your tenure at ULI that you're most proud of?
4: Well, yeah. Thank you. I think um, – I came in wanting to really grow membership, and, and I've been humbled to kind of understand that ULI Nationals not necessarily pushing, like, growing the membership is least important. And really what matters most is really membership engagement okay. and the impact that we're having on the community. And I feel like we've done some really, really amazing programs. Uh, we did the advisory service panel on Charity Hospital, which was just a, uh, a, a you know, a, we were engaged by LSU to do a report to kind of figure out how the development could move forward from a RFQ process. So it was not providing solutions. It wasn't advocating for one way for the development to be done. But to, that was really a, a, an honor to be asked to do something like that. Um, the, the the volume and quality of our developments in New Orleans right now and, and in really in South Louisiana as a whole are, are awesome. You know, We've got such great real estate and, and, and very talented young developers that are Putting some amazing products in the projects into the market, and we really, you know, we're oftentimes the first ones they call to say, "Hey, can we do a building tour, or can we do a presentation to highlight our, our what we did here?" And it's a great way to educate the the the, the real estate community on best practices or, um, you know, uh, how 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 to move developments forward that are tricky.
1: Steven, is there anything that, for, for those people who are listening who may be on the fence of maybe pulling the trigger to join ULI, is there something that you can tell them to, to push them over the edge to, to actually join?
4: Well, it's a, it's a wonderful way to get involved. There's tons of opportunity to, 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 to be on uh, committees, to, to be a part of ULI. So the quality of the, of the individuals involved in ULI, they're in such dr- drastically different fields from architects to land planners to attorneys to financiers to developers. Um, So you get a really well-rounded perspective of real estate development and just the the real estate community. And so, um, but it's not a a forced networking, it's kind of collaborating on ideas and programming and things that uh, um, I think we all gain a lot of value from it's not like we're winning our next project at these meetings and all. We're really just learning and kind of grassroots, getting engaged at a at a level. So I think it's uh I'd say to any prospective person that's thinking about it, um, even if you're uh even if you're on the peripheral of real estate, like your ideas are welcome and it's a great place to learn and, and kind of network with uh, people across the industry.
1: This is your third and final year as district council. What what's next for you? Where are you where are you moving? Onto, what's your next adventure?
4: That's a great question. I don't know. I had, I, <laughs> He's uh, got a big smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does. So, so uh, I think one thing that that I've really enjoyed is I do a lot of work nationally for my own work within Walker & Dunlop. I'm okay. in mortgage finance. I'm financing projects and working on deals with clients across the country. And while that's tremendously uh, rewarding to be uh, working across a lot of different marketplaces, ULI has offered me the ability to kind of get rooted back home and and uh so whatever is next will be something else that gets me tied into the local community here in south louisiana so Love it's it. uh whether it's new orleans or a broader base it's something that, that just to stay active in the real estate community in some other form fashion
1: fantastic Great. well uh we want to thank you stephen for your time um this this this, this we, we know you have a lot of mingling to do here at the uh, the brewery and a lot of beer to drink um, so, again, I appreciate your time, your words of wisdom, and your successes.
4: Well, no, this is cool. I, I appreciate the uh, – it's my first podcast, and uh, <laughs> I'm fired up to listen to the, the, whole, the whole show when it comes available. I guess it's going to – we're going to put it on our newsletter. We will. I think, uh, right? So I uh, hope to do more of these. This is great. Thank right on. you.
1: Thank you.
0: So we're going to pull in one of the brewmasters here at Port Orleans. We have Brian Allen with us here.
5: Brian, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Brian, tell us, um, tell us a
1: bit about your story, and how did you get here, and how did you become brewmaster?
5: Yeah, um, I uh, started making beer professionally in 1995 in Boston. I uh, worked for a brewery that was right across the street from Fenway Park. Nice. Uh, after about a year and a half, they sent me to brewing school. I came back after another little while. I ran that brewery, ended up building another brewery for that company. Um
0: you have what- beer in your blood. Beer in my blood, Beer in his much. blood. Yeah.
5: Moved to Missouri, met a guy that wanted to build a brewery, and said, I know how to do that, nice. and uh, built a brewery for him, and it was brewmaster there. Had a friend who was a consultant in this project, and said, hey, they're looking for a brewer, why don't you come down? Never been to New Orleans before. So,
0: first time in New Orleans, first and you're thinking, how do wild. I make beer?
5: Yeah, so I came down, well, I grew up in New York, lived in Wisconsin, Northern, Northern boy. Oh, my goodness. Uh,
0: Port Orleans is kind of a new brewery in town, we right? We
5: celebrated our first year anniversary on May 12. Congratulations. So thanks. Well, yeah. the
0: space is amazing. Um thanks. how did you decide or how did the team decide to get into this place we're on the corner of Chapatulas and Napoleon um on the river side. So right. it's a very interesting spot. It's kind of tucked away over here
5: with Nola down the street, with Urban South opening up down the street. Uh, with the amount of sort of craft beer being focused kind of in Uptown, I think they wanted to be in Uptown, and they were looking for a certain size facility. Right. Um, Before, I would say even
1: five years ago, New Orleans specifically um, didn't have a lot of breweries. There may have been one or maybe two in town. I feel like now they're popping up everywhere, And, and breweries like bars are becoming the neighborhood spot. So can you attest or talk a little bit about how Port Orleans has affected the neighborhood, and do you see a lot of locals coming in that this is kind of part of their
5: their daily routine? Yeah, I think so. It's a bit more casual or less intense than a regular bar. Right? You know, they're, they're typically the spaces are a little brighter. Uh, it's definitely
0: more well. It's well lit. Well, Stephen uh, said earlier here that. He was just so shocked that it's so clean in here. It's super clean, oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah.
5: It's you know, you're making beer, beer's biological food product. Right. And uh, it's important that it's clean. I think say so, clean for sure. Uh, well yeah. it's
0: nice too, and it's a little bit different. I'm gonna describe the space a little bit. It's you've got like twenty five foot ceilings in here, there's a nice brick wall in the back and beyond that is are some it's a glass curtain wall. Uh, or a glass storefront that then you can see all the the vats where the beer is brewed. Is that the right term? What do
1: you yeah, call them?
5: Yeah. Uh, the tanks? Tanks. The tanks. Fermenters. That, that's good, you know. <laughs> it, it conveys the same message.
1: Brian, I want to ask you, I don't know, like when I hear brewmaster, I, I feel very... Scared. It's very intimidating. It's very intimidating. That's like a champion title. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you carry an axe with um, you. No, you Can get we, a staff. you got, oh, you got a nice. big staff. Tell, tell me, tell me, and and our, our audience, like a little bit about like what does that actually mean? Does that mean you're in charge of all the beer that comes out? Are you kind of managing? Are you literally making every beer? Like, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, so
5: it's a it's a slightly different the title. Slightly comprises a slightly different thing, depending on the place where you're at. Okay. Um, a large brewery like Anheuser-Busch, right? If uh-huh. got a brewmaster, there's no way that that guy is making every single beer that comes okay, out of there. Gotcha. There's no way that he's probably touching really any of those beers got from it. a raw material standpoint. In fact, probably the people that are making those are actually teamsters, you know. Um, at a brewery like this, um, I personally don't do a heck of a lot of brewing anymore. Um, I cover some lunches or when people are sick or whatever, you know, I'm able to jump in but we've got brewers who do that or cellarmen who are moving beer around or clarifying okay. beer or packaging beer. Um, smaller breweries, you know, if, if you're in fact titled the brewmaster, you're probably making everything that's coming out of there. So for me, a brewmaster is someone who's in charge of the overall brewing operations. Got it. Procuring raw materials, you know, to the beer quality when it's in – a bar or a restaurant off your premises. Okay.
1: And are you also in charge of tasting or is that Yeah. That is also part of it? Yeah. So your QAQC. I mean things think no one drinks a sip of your your blowout without you tasting it and saying that's good to go.
5: Pretty much, yeah. A blowout so, is
0: a is one of their uh, beer selections yeah, by the way. Hey, it's our IPA,
5: yeah. <laughs> it's one of our IPAs that we have in the tasting Got it. room. Yeah, so um, sensory analysis is hugely important, uh, you know, I, I don't think there are machines that can smell as good as a human nose, a trained human nose, so.
1: Brian, um, so we talked about how you guys have been in one year of operation, are there any things that, that have evolved since you've been here as, brew, at, as a brewmaster um, that have changed, that have gotten better? Yeah. Um, what's or, next for yeah, what, Port Orleans? What's
5: yep. next? Uh, we've got a couple of new products that are coming out. Okay. Um, so this space, right, this tasting room space, it's an interesting space. Our model is we do a little bit of retail here, and then we distribute beer to restaurants and bars and package and grocery stores. So hopefully people are buying it, bringing it home, and drinking it there. This space is kind of all about... Uh, putting a public face, allowing for a customer interaction with the brewery, with the brand, with the beer. And we've had some beers that have, you know, we, we knew we wanted to make lager, we knew we wanted to make Storyville, we knew we wanted to make slack water when we started. There are other beers that we put in package and put in distribution that sort of grew organically out of this space. We were like, eh, hey, we're going to open, we don't want to have just three beers, let's try this. And people really responded to it. So it's like, all right, well, let's make it again. Got it. People really responded so to it's it.
1: So l- it's a little bit of um, It's a
5: lab. Well, no, yeah, yeah it's exactly. It's a lab.
1: A lab. It's, it's trial and error. It's like, hey, yeah. throw it out there. Do they like it? They like it. All right, let's keep
0: doing it. It's our R&D test pool. I you dig know. it. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's really cool, and uh, we appreciate you having us here. Sure. Uh, yep. It's Thanks for really coming. Thanks for coming all right okay so we just did a brewery tour and we went to the back and we got and uh we kind of scooped up someone there who actually is the architect who worked on the port orleans building we have bert turner with us uh bert thanks for coming on the podcast with us
6: no problem my, my pleasure
0: bert you are an architect at mouton long turner architects tell
1: us tell us a little bit about the building that we're in right now um james and i have already kind of Talked about the space that we're in, and we love it, by the way. Oh. Um, you, you know, you got the brick facade on the back wall of the bar, and you can see into the the uh, the vat area. Um, but we kind of want to know about, a little bit about your challenges as an architect, and and how how are you kind of pulled in on this job.
6: So you know, the, we were pulled in because we do a lot of this kind of work, uh, concept work. You know, where you know you've got startups that don't know where they're going, they need an idea, they need a direction. They they had five owners, you know, that were kind of, you know, asking the questions on who's the best fit as an architect to work with, you know. So my challenge in the beginning was to, you know, make them believe in me as a person that they could trust, you know. I'm not going to steer them wrong.
0: Right. How do you convince someone that you know what you're doing and that they can trust their investment with you? That's Look, a
6: good question. I, lo- I love this statement
1: because a lot of architects, I think, believe that it's about the design to get the project. But what you're kind of alluding to is that they really kind of have to buy into
6: you as a person. It's a personal relationship. And right. they, they they value that.
0: They had this space already. This, the 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 area was already defined, which is already in like a crazy position being on the edge of Chop and Napoleon, you're right next to the river, there's this very industrial feel to it, Choppatoulis, people go very fast on it even though they shouldn't. Um that's already a challenge in itself, and then you have the challenge of creating a, a brewery which comes with comes with a lot of engineering just to create the beer. Um so you have a lot of challenges just to start with, just with the the building itself, right?
6: So yeah they they hired a guy out of Chicago uh, who is a he's a a, a brewery consultant you know uh, and he's done a couple breweries around the U S he's done one in Singapore and uh, basically he had a he had a vision of what the the brewery needed to be like but it wasn't on paper usually usually as an as an architect we get. Um, you know, an equipment plan, and it's all specified on what the utilities go to each piece of equipment. That that's in a perfect world, you know, but in this in this scenario, I had to I had to lock myself in a room with this guy for probably two days, and basically, you know, go through each piece of equipment and say, "What? Is, where does this go? Where after this? Where does this go?" And you know, he. He walked me through the whole process, so I, I mean, my, I, I, did, I did the whole process equipment plan, myself, and drew it all, and did the piping, and did the, uh, mechanical, the electrical, all servicing it, just by, you know, you know, infusing myself into the process.
0: You have to interpret what he is saying to you, and then actually make it real by putting it on paper, right. which then translate to the builder who builds it cuz
6: somebody has to build it i mean you can't it can't come from his mind you know and 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 straight to somebody building it so you know? could brew
0: your own beer now right is what you're no, telling us no no
6: <laughs> <laughs> well uh, i wish
0: one more on the on the infrastructure side of things is that um, i know that the city of new orleans has this stormwater management plan and from what i understand that this building actually has the ability to retain water on a very high level just because um, when there's a X amount of rainfall, you have to withhold the amount of water. Can you explain where that water goes before Bert, it enters we, the system? Bert,
6: we've been told that there's a swimming pool under this building. There's, Is there a secret swimming pool? There, there could be. There could be a swimming pool underneath the, the building. But yes, the um, the stormwater uh, plan for New Orleans did, did get us on this project, and uh, we had more... More than 5,000 square feet of impervious uh, surfaces, which the r- roof itself is 15,000 square feet. So, wow. you know, by us adding onto the front, it kicked us into a stormwater uh, retention, you know, uh, uh, review,
0: and, which and the- means that you have to hold X number, uh, X volume of water for 24 hours before you release it into the system. Therefore, making less pressure on the pumps that have to get the water out of
1: here. Which right. is, look, it's a great initiative. It's a design challenge. But in all in all, I mean, it is a great initiative for a city that is Sinking.
6: reeling with, you know, water mitigation.
0: So it's, what's the solution? What did you do to this so, building to hold water?
6: So underneath the patio, there's a, there's a reservoir that you can't see. But it's down, you know, five, six feet in the ground and it holds water it's just a big tank. it's just a big, it's, just a big it's, it's a swim pool it's it's basically a we found know,
0: it it's under the porch and
6: then it that fills up and it's got a little a little pipe that goes into the storm water um system for new orleans so like you know it chokes down how much it it, it, rele- it releases into the um city's storm water um system bert i want to get into some dirty
1: dirty info now we realize that as as fellow architects
0: we're just pointing we re- some stuff out. We
1: realized that there's a crazy skylight in the <laughs> corner here.
0: Th- there's a wall that intersects a skylight, and we were like, "We're gonna, pu- we're gonna put Bert on the spot <laughs> for, here." For those of you who don't know what, the,
1: what a skylight is, it's basically a window. I think or people open know. <laughs> yeah. explain, no, explain it, Bert, please. Bert, go ahead. Tell us what happened there. I mean, look, architect. It's not always pretty as designers. What happened? Well, I never noticed
6: that before. <laughs> 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 it- it does, it's kind of cool, though.
0: <laughs> and you know what? No one else would have noticed unless Seamus and I okay. were being hypercritical here. But, hey, next time y'all come to Port Orleans, check look, out. look where the kitchen is. It's in the left-hand corner when you walk in. Look up to the top, and you'll be like, there's light coming in there, but there's also a wall there.
1: Look, I guarantee you at, like, 5 p.m. in the afternoon, it makes this great shadow from, like, the pipe on the wall, and it, like, creates this, you know. It does. It's, a, it's some we intention. We should have played that up,
6: really.
0: Bert, you should have said it was intentional. I
6: should have played that up. Yeah. But.
0: He told us before that they planned for it and that it was supposed to cast light against the wall. Once we put a
1: microphone in his face, he just buckled up and <laughs> couldn't couldn't talk.
0: The whole space is nice. I know we're just ragging on yeah, you Yeah, we're just but, giving um, you our time, man. The, uh, it's very warm and comforting while also being uh, large and inviting.
6: I just want to put a plug. They, uh, the website, the, our website, MoutonLong.com. They do have um, the the Port Orleans um, great. web page on there, and you can see the gestation of design that we oh, went cool. through. That's great. So you, know, so, you awesome. know the original design sketches are on there, so you can see what I'm talking about. You know where the design you know started and where it ended, two different places. But you know, you as an architect, you you have to um, be able to to, um, to 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 coincide with your client and make them you know the best that you could possibly bank them, you know?
0: you want to appreciate the process, and it's really cool to see that. Um, But we appreciate you coming and speaking with us. No problem. Thank Thank you.
6: Thank you, Bert. All All right, man. Cheers.